Today on Behind the Headlines, Faster Horses just concluded this past weekend, and the MLive team was not granted credentials for this event for the first time in the last eight years. Let's jump into the reasons why and find out what happened this year. Joining us today on the podcast, Daniel Salisbury and Taylor DeSormo. Let's get in to Behind the Headlines. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. As I said, our guests today, Daniel Salisbury and Taylor DeSormo, and as always, one of my favorite humans on Earth, Vice President of Content, the one, the only, John Heiner. Good morning, and thank you, Eric, for that uh, always sterling introduction. Um, you're my biggest fan, and I appreciate it. Um, uh, one of our biggest stories last year uh, just got back in the headlines here in the past weekend, and that is the Faster Horses Festival that's at Michigan International Speedway every summer in July, big country music camp-in festival. Uh, it's, I think it's two days technically of music, but three days of partying, and we have covered that for years as an event. And last year we took a deeper look uh, into the climate and the culture of the festival but and public safety aspect of it and found some really disturbing uh, stories and statistics about assaults, sexual assaults, um, even deaths that have occurred at the festival uh, over the last eight years. And I have with us today two of the reporters who worked on that fantastic um, enterprise journalism series last year, Danielle Salisbury. Uh, welcome back to Behind the Headlines. Thank you. And Taylor DeSormo. Welcome back, Taylor. You've been on too. Thanks, John. Hi. It's good to have you both here. I guess we start before we get to this year's festival. I just want to say that last year uh, we did take a different look at the festival through a different lens. And we didn't just tell a statistical story. We went and found families of people who've died or we have found victims of crimes there. There were a couple of things that I found very troubling that came out of that. One was the actual crimes themselves and the toll on people. But the second was the response from the festival organizers, the venue, uh, the artists. And I have a recording of their response to our reporting. And I'm going to play that right now. So they never commented. They never talked to us. Uh, and as they say in show business, I guess the show must go on because they had another festival this year. Now I want to stop and, and have you guys bring us up to speed of how we are approaching this festival and uh, what transpired on the eve of the festival that really made us kind of switch gears and, and, and come at this a different way. So uh, either of you go ahead and, and tell us uh, going into this year, not just what they changed, but what changed for us uh, that made us change gears. 
Well, obviously the the big thing was uh, we we submitted a credential for the festival like we do every year and hadn't heard back, hadn't heard back. And then um, just a few days before the festival, we we did hear back and it was one of the first times we'd heard from Live Nation uh, in in our many inquiries in the past year. And uh, the message back was uh, basically you're not invited to the festival. Uh, you you declined. Um, they, they didn't give us a great reason, so we reached reached back out and they told us that there was uh, they had only limited amount of spots for media and uh, we were not going to be one of them. So that definitely changed how we had to approach the festival covering it. It wasn't a huge surprise though. Um, after um, we kind of had a lot of friction with Live Nation in the past year, just trying to get answers and and just hear their side of, of what they're doing to keep people safe. And they just didn't want to talk about it. So um, going into the festival this year, um, we, we kind of had to, to shift gears a little bit, but an interesting thing also happened. And I don't mean to jump ahead too far, John, but uh, mm, a, a week fine. before the festival started, um, all of a sudden there was a bunch of different uh, safety initiatives on their website for how to keep people safe. And, and we'll get into that in a minute, but that was definitely a surprising thing. And a thing that kind of uh, it was definitely good heading into the festival. Yeah, we have a maxim in journalism that never assume, and uh, we don't have evidence uh, that Live Nation or the concert venue or the performers or anybody said, hey, uh, MLive really pointed out some some things we need to address. Um, it may have been all coincidental and circumstantial. Maybe they were working on it anyways. I don't know. Um, so we don't we, we try not to leap to conclusions in journalism, but I do think it's it's gratifying for whatever reason, that they took steps, and we'll get to those in a bit, um, to protect the people and provide a safer environment for people. So Danielle, and by the way, uh, a year ago when she was working on this, Danielle was a reporter. Now she is a lead reporter who helps manage our statewide reporting team. And so going into this year's festival, Danielle also had a hand in, in, in planning how we were going to go down to the Brooklyn area, which is where the venue is. And still tell the story because that's our obligation to do that. So, where are the challenges, Danielle, and how did we approach it this year so that we could tell those stories? Well, I think we sort of we didn't know whether we were going to get credentials, so we kind of had dueling plans. You know, what happens if we don't get credentials? What happens if we do? Um, I don't know. I think I was a little surprised. I kind of thought that they would give us credentials anyway, <laughs> but. Um, I think, I mean, I think a large amount of people go down there and most people go to the festival and have a good time and drink and enjoy the concerts and leave and, and, and they're, they're no better or worse off for having been there. I mean, I think that's the experience of most. So, I mean, I think our plan, if we had gotten credentials, I mean, I think we would have covered the concerts as we have in the past. I mean, the pictures of Tim McGraw and Mar Morgan Whalen, but I think it would have been with a different lens, knowing what we discovered in the last year with all the sort of the underbelly of the festival, some of the ugly things that have happened there. Um, and I think this year when we went out there, I mean, we, we didn't have access to the actual festival. We didn't have access to the campgrounds. They were specific about that, that they didn't want us there. And I, and I know we don't jump to conclusions, but I do think that i mean we covered the festival we co we published hundreds of images from the festival for the last since 2013 so i don't it's almost like it's I, we don't jump to conclusions but we ran this big investigative piece and then for the first time since the festival's 
start they they deny our credentials um i don't think it's a coincidence so i, did, I didn't think it was a coincidence <laughs> i actually expected it to happen in a way i found it sort of gratifying kind of like uh, kelly frick who's our senior director of news as you know has a saying that they, they don't fear our opinion they fear our reporting and the things that we found out really shined a light and that's what that's what our role is uh and they could i don't think they could run from the facts that we that we publish no it, it right and i see what you're saying i mean it was almost like like for a while i felt like they didn't care like no one cares i mean the the powers the power i mean i think people care but i the power involved in the festival, I, it didn't seem like they cared. But then the festival rolls around and they denied our credentials and it was like, wait a second, maybe they did notice. So yeah, well, I can see. We made a few internal kind of jokes, like uh, Live Nation probably doesn't know that the Bay City Times is part of it live. We could have put a credential request under the Bay City Times, you know, right. but uh, I just got, and, and also in the Facebook comments, which by the way, this people really, it blew up in Facebook and there were a lot of uh, people supporting us. There were people saying, oh, you know, don't spoil the party, go away. Other people said, well, why don't you just buy a ticket and go in? And honestly, we thought about that. I got to say at my level. And I said, no, because a couple of reasons. One, I like to do things above board. Uh, I don't want to be like have somebody skulking around in the grounds talking to people. Um, and I also don't want to put our employees in that situation of security where we confront them and say, hey, you know, you don't have a media pass. You, you got to, you know, get out of here. I just didn't think that was the right way to go. And the last piece is the confidence I had, which I think was justified, that you and your reporting team would still be able to tell the story by being outside the grounds, talking to festival goers, talking to police, the police who will talk to us <laughs> about what was going on. And then like we did last year, the aftermath our ability to go and report this as, you know, we file FOIAs for police reports and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I think, I think, I mean, we talked to, I kind of walked up and down Brooklyn road. I mean, talked to some people, we, you know, we went to the party store or the, the grocery store in Brooklyn and, and talked to people. I mean, I don't think it was too big of an issue for us to find people to talk to. And in a way the credential denying brought, elevated our reporting from last year, brought it to everyone's attention. So, but I know Taylor had a comment. Yeah. And one of the main things too, that we've done at the festival in the past years is, is great, great photos and whatnot. And, and if you look at the fine print too, of the faster horses, uh, you're not allowed to bring in zoom lenses as a normal person. So uh, to just buy a ticket, that would have been something that we wouldn't have been able to get those photos and, and get that prime spot. And even on top of that, all the, the tickets were sold out this year. Um, there were a few on some third-party sites, but they were two, three, four times what the price of the actual tickets were. So that kind of also made it a hassle. But it, it was really cool seeing you, Daniel, going out and like talking to people and hearing your stories. And I know Nathan Clark, one of our uh, Jackson Ann Arbor reporters, was he was telling me about how he was at Polly's Country Market in the parking lot and talking to people. And some people didn't want to talk to him, but others were really friendly and explaining uh, kind of how they are trying to keep safe at the festival this year. And they're like, well, we know that there's been some issues there. So we try and stick together and we try and always have our phones on us and different things. So it was cool to hear people and, and kind of how they're, they're trying to take on the safety issue. Yeah. And I want to, I'll just back up here and say that even if you'd gone back two years and we were on the grounds, there's 40,000 people It is a big party. It's loud. There's, there's, you know, you, everything you gather, reporting that way is anecdotal anyways. You, you don't have a statistical overview. I mean, 
what we did is we went back and FOIA police records dating back to 2013 and we looked at everything, you know, thousands of documents that, you know, so the snapshot we got from inside was no different than the snapshot we got from the parking lot polys. In a way, you're getting people's anecdotal feedback. That said, the stories this year I detected or saw or people saying they were more aware of what you know, our reporting had said they were aware of their safety issues. They, the buddy system, look out for your neighbors. There was one person who said, hey, it looks like there's parents are coming and getting a campsite and dropping their kids off and leaving, you know. And so I, I saw a level of awareness. Now, maybe we weren't looking for that as much in prior years. We were just saying, hey, it's, let's go cover the party. But I think everyone's perception is different. And then uh, just addressing the credential issue. There were other media outlets that were credentialed, including a large newspaper in Detroit that is a member like we are of the Associated Press. So any photos that were taken uh, and, and you know shared with the Associated Press, we had access to anyways. I, I didn't feel like we was a news blackout, you know, in any way, shape or form for M Live. Certainly. And I and I do think people were more aware, but also I think you're right. I think we were more aware too. So, and that directs our questions and, and our approach. But also when I was out there, I very much felt the party goes on, you know, like, like, yeah, we heard about that, but we've had 13 beers today. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, like I've been drinking since 7am. Yeah. I heard about that. And yeah, I'll be back next year. And you know, like, yeah, there's awareness, but also I'm here for the party. Okay, I'm going to go back up again and say Sunday <laughs> night, I'm at Bill's, Bell's Beer Garden listening to the drive-by truckers, and, and it wasn't 40,000 people, it was maybe 1,000, but I'm having a beer, I'm having a good time, I'm enjoying, we're not spoil sports at M Live, right? It's like if we went to a certain amusement park in Sandusky, Ohio, and FOIA police records for 10 years, you'd probably find out that there were deaths and injuries, and some some women got assaulted there, right? It Wherever you have a large gatherings of people, um, especially if you had the alcohol, we weren't saying, you know, ban the event. Uh, what we we're trying to do is raise awareness of the concert goers, but also I think the institutions who have a responsibility, we put something out of this nature to provide those safety aspects. And, and with that, I want to segue back to you, Taylor, on something that you found on the eve of the, of the concert or the, the festival itself that you mentioned in the lead into the podcast today. Um, why don't you take it from there and just tell our readers uh, what you came across and what it what it really told us about what's happening behind the scenes at Faster Horses Management. Yeah, so there was a, a tab on their website called Festival Safety Tips, and uh, there was a few Facebook posts about it as well, but it didn't show up until just days before the festival started. Um, but but it also was encouraging some of the steps that they were trying to take. So um, one of them was a, a text line. So you could text horses to 69050. Um, and if you, you could text them if you felt there was anything suspicious going on, anything inappropriate, um, if you were sick and needed any emergency assistance, pretty much kind of anything. It um, they, they wanted the, the line to be used and they said that if there's any kind of issue, text us and, and we'll come in and try and sort out the issue. And or get anybody help who needs it. Um, so that was one step. Another one was the aware care, um, which was people in purple shirts that were kind of walking around the festival. They were trained um, to kind of help people in whatever they needed. So if people needed earplugs, they needed directions, or they 
their phone was dead and they lost their, their group. Um, or if it was maybe something a little more serious, um, someone who's having a negative time at the festival, um, any kind of issues that they're trained, um, people at, on those teams were trained. They, they also had a tent as well. So there was people roaming around the festival. And then there was also a tent that people could go to. Um, and they're trained in harm reduction and things like that. So that was another one. Um, also on their website uh, was a list of generator safety tips. So uh, last year, obviously, there was the tragedy where three young men uh, died from carbon monoxide poisoning. Um, and so one thing that Faster Horses did was they had a, a bunch of tips on how to be safe with, with generators um, so that you don't put them right next to your camper and you you direct the, the exhaust in a certain direction and different things you can do to, to reduce the noise and also reduce the fumes. So that was another one. And then also we found a zero tolerance policy pop up on their website for harassment of any kind. So whether it's verbal or physical or, or whatnot, they said that they um, any kind of violation and people could be ejected from the festival and banned from future festivals. So um, those were just a, a few of the steps that we found that that Faster Horses kind of put out last minute, but just kind of trying to show that, hey, maybe maybe the, we're trying to put a little more emphasis on safety this year to make sure that everybody comes to the festival and has a good time and, and doesn't have any uh, major issues like some of the ones that have happened in the past. Yeah, they also enlarged to some of the campsites. Oh, that's oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. And and was that uh, the prerogative of the festival or was that just the campsites doing that themselves? Well, the the most most of the campgrounds are are part of MIS and part of the fest. I mean, you reserve your campsites through Faster Horses. So yeah. I think that was Faster Horses. But, you know, they don't talk to us <laughs> so. and that included the, the campsites that um the, the young men died at last year too right one of those yes a, the campground with with the where the young men died had larger campsites this year than last year and, and they, they wouldn't were tell us what the reason for that was but um yeah. they were notably larger too i mean i saw that you wrote i think they were 20 by 40 at junction last year and then this year um, it was like 24 by 50. Um, some of them went from 20 by 30 to 20 by 60. So like they they definitely made them significantly larger. And uh, they're they're packed in there. Like those camp, I mean, it's like a sea of campers and tents and cars. I mean, they're packed in. So right. I think again, we can't we can't assume, but I mean, you I, I mean, I think you can last year there were these deaths and this year the camp the campsites are larger so yeah, and, the, and the idea is if you have more space you can space out your generator further and and direct the, the exhaust fumes maybe a little better i was going to take a, a moment here for a little uh opinion break this is my opinion <laughs> we have all worked at jackson uh we've we've all the three of us and taylor i know you're into car racing too um I've been in, I started working at Jackson at 86. I can't tell you how many events we've covered at MIS, how much coverage we've given to their races, to festivals, to, you know, and been, um, I think, a pretty responsive media source. And, and so, you know, you have one, <laughs> one little investigative piece and, and they just clam up. And I'm just going to like say, you know, shame on them a little bit because they've had millions of people go through that venue. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying safety is uh, anything new, any, you know, airlines, you know, you go on a cruise, safety is the first thing everybody talks about. So I don't think that we, uh, you know, did anything outside our lane as journalists to point out what's happened there. 
and uh, for them to clam up, you know, I maybe Taylor, you know, and Danielle, we should get our credential request in now for next year. So, you know, they said they ran out, so we don't want them to run out next year. But, um, you know, we've shown that we're going to report on it anyways. Danielle. No, no, we got our, we got them in plenty early. Like we got, we were, we weren't asking at the last minute. Yeah. No, no, no. But at the last minute, they said they ran out or they had unprecedented demand for credentials. Sorry, uh, the, 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 the media outlet that's the largest in the state that's covered us since 2013 uh we for you know we just don't have one for you so uh anyways no i'm believing yeah, I, will, I will say too there there is a bit of a divide between live nation and mis uh one of the, the pr contacts for the track uh messaged me after our story came about the about the denied credential and he said this is the first i've heard of this and i'm sorry about it it's not it's kind of out of our out of our hands so there, it's definitely um everything going on that week is is driven by live nation and and they're kind of the ones at the wheel yeah. Okay. Thanks for that distinction. Um, the venue, I, I think the venue probably does have some control over, over certain things, but that's a good point. Um, Daniel. I mean, it's their property. I guess I don't know the legalist. I don't know the right. legal. Well, right. I think it's a little bit of a cop-out to say, well, it'd be like them live rented its offices to someone for an event. Right. And we didn't maintain security and safety and, you know, something happened. We were still liable, but Danielle, you in your wanderings up and down Brooklyn Road, it seemed like from your story you came upon a couple of wear care tent volunteers, which I found very interesting. Um, is that so? And they were talking about, you know, the how they got the jobs and what their training was and so forth. Could you just tell our listeners about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. I I actually stopped at McDonald's in Brooklyn to write my story. Um and they were there they were at mcdonald's <laughs> so i i stopped them and they were really willing to talk to me i think at that point their obligations were done this was sunday night and they were mm -hmm. ending their final shift so um yeah there were two young women very friendly um one had a degree in hospitality another was going to be an occupational therapist she was kind of finishing up her training and they found out about it, it was a paid gig and they said they had to actually apply so, um, and they said there were a few trainings, they had a zoom meeting and then a security briefing and then like an orientation and a tour. Um, and they said they were tasked, they said mostly, mostly, most people flagged them down. So they were wandering, they, these two were in a team together. They, they were friends from college, they knew each other from college and they were walking the ground or they had a cart, I think on the grounds. And they said, mostly people flagged them down. And the most common concern was they didn't know where they were mm -hmm. or they needed help finding their campsite. I mean, it's huge. This this is a massive, I mean, you have 40,000 people, but also just massive grounds mm -hmm. and, you know, like almost about 20 campgrounds. I mean, it would be easy to get lost even if you weren't drinking. So um, they said that, that was the most common concern among the patrons was getting lost but they also helped people with water you know looked for over beverage people they helped some women they told me they helped some women who complained that a, a man was harassing them um there was a group of women and he turned out to be trespassing he didn't have a bracelet to be in the grounds and they helped him get thrown out so when i asked the police about the aware team they said they said they were kind of helpful in like 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 directing people who actually needed to talk to the police to the police but but in getting involved in those incidents that don't quite rise to the level of of police involvement 
So they said people, and this is coming from them, but they said people were grateful for their assistance and that they had a lot of attention. They had said they had 300 people on the day one in the tent where wow. they were. They had charging stations, Wi-Fi, water, snacks, a cot in case you needed to lie down. Um, so it was kind of like an extra layer of support is what I understood. Just for perspective, uh, while you're giving your answer, I, I looked at population of Michigan cities. Um, that makes faster horses bigger than Jackson, the city of Jackson, the city of Saginaw, the city of Muskegon. So for a weekend, you have a, a pretty big city that, that pops up and it probably has all the problems of the city, um, especially when you everybody in that city is drinking, you know. Right, right. And the population of Brooklyn, the village is only a thousand people. So it's it gets 40 times larger for, for three days. And that's not counting. That's not counting. I mean, that's just an estimate. I don't think we've ever, we haven't gotten a recent, that's just an estimate of who's there. That's plus you have volunteers, you have staff, you have security personnel, you have all the, the public employees, the cops, the firefighters, the, the ambulance personnel. So it's probably larger than that. One of the cops I was talking to, he was like, it's probably more like 70,000. And I was like, really that high? And he's like, well, that might be a little exaggerated. Wow. That, that, that would, that would make it uh, the twentieth big twentieth biggest city of Michigan. So he conceded but, that maybe that was a little extreme of an. Uh, of but this. yeah, but I think the, we've made the point, and also that any popular any group of people that large, I mean, we really should be paying attention. And I think um, you know we're doing the right thing, and I think our readers think so too. Why don't we talk about you know what's next in the reporting um, and how we're going to follow up and stay with it. Um, we, we are going to, I know one of our reporters, Gus Burns was working on it yesterday. We're going to send out freedom of information act requests for all the police reports from the weekend. I think, um, we talked to the cops and they've said there weren't any major incidents. We did find out there was one death, um, a for a man in his late forties died at a campground. Um, and we're still figuring out all the details of that, but I, it sounds like there's no foul place suspected and drugs and alcohol were not believed to be a factor, but that's still pending. Um, and, and, you know, you talked, I've, we've talked to the police and the police have said, um, you know, there were no major incidents. There were some reports of sexual assault. Um, there are some ongoing investigations. Some of them were deemed to not be substantiated is what I was told. There are some ongoing investigations into some sexual assaults. I don't have a specific number at this point, but I think we re we learned last year that what the cops tell us generally about the safety of the festival is a little different than when we examine the police reports and talk to the victims and and really dig deeply. I mean that there's there's a little bit different picture. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't think we're going to know we're going to know all that immediately. Um, but and it, and those reports are not all completed and ready for distribution immediately after the festival. So I think it's going to take a, a little bit of time for us to collect those reports and see what's in them. So that's that's what's next. I mean, we're certainly going to stay on it and see what happened this year. On the surface, the I mean, last year four people died. Um, Certainly, we didn't have the tragedy of the carbon monoxide deaths this year. Um, so, on the the cops said 
the police officers said that things went pretty smoothly this year. So we'll see what we find when we get those police reports. We I don't know if you have that. anything to add, Taylor. Uh, no, yeah, that's good. I mean, looking back at the, the past festivals, it, there's been a, about 2.75 uh, sex offenses per festival. Um, so that's kind of the baseline of, of where we expect in terms of um, that type of thing. So yeah, like you said, uh, we'll see when the reports come in, um, uh, kind of where we stand this year. Well, a couple of things. One, if if it was a safer festival, uh, that's good news. Uh, we're not out looking for bad news. When we see problems, we, we try to do journalism that leads to solutions, you know, whether the ones we propose or ones that you know, the institutions take upon themselves. They enacted, there's no, you can dispute why, uh, but you can't dispute that they enacted a number of safety features this year. And through Danielle's reporting, uh, we were able to find some of those volunteers who said it gave us a sense of how those services were being used. Sounds like a lot, even if it was just directions. But uh, it sounded like it was a safer festival. We, we shall see because we're going to stay with the story uh, as we do. But again, uh, I want to say thanks to you both. Taylor, any closing yeah. thoughts? Yeah, one quick thing. You're talking about solutions. And, and we, when we talked about solutions last fall in our piece, they're like, oh, what, are, what are some things that could happen? And we saw a few festivals uh, over in Europe that got shut down because they were too dangerous. Um, there is the possibility of people maybe just not going because it's not safe. But really, the best case scenario is is Live Nation and Faster Horses making safety changes and and making cultural changes to to make it still make it safer while people still can go and still have fun, be with their friends, go camping, uh, drink, see all these country bands for a good price. I mean, the the really the best case scenario is that they make changes for it to be safer and. And it seems like that's kind of the start of the path that we're on. So that's that's encouraging to see. I mean, we, we would rather that than it to be shut down or for people to just not go and boycott it. Like, obviously, this, this is the best case scenario. I agree. I agree, too. And I, I will note, too, I mean, one of the things we pointed out in our investigation was just some of the sort of blatant sexism. Like there was a there was a mm -hmm. titty city in the in the infield i asked you know we weren't inside so we weren't able to see it ourselves i asked whoever i talked to who'd been on the infield whether they saw some of those things and no one had seen that this year so i don't know hmm. i don't know if it wasn't there or if or if it um was lesser because we weren't inside but from those that i talked to there might have been less of that which as a woman was con is concerning i mean mm -hmm. some of some of the signage that they've had in the past was a bit offensive i would well, say. highly sexualized and it tilted in the way of sexualizing women uh and we that reporting pointed out last year and again it with the measures they took with aware care and so forth it wouldn't surprise me if there was some movement by the venue or live nation to crack down or police those kinds of signs and things a little bit but as you said we weren't in there um, perhaps we'll start seeing images coming out of faster horses we'll take a look uh, we're at the end of our time for Behind the Headlines. This has been a very engaging conversation. I always love engaging conversations that come off our great journalism. And hats off to you, Danielle, uh, Taylor, Gus, and the rest of the team. I know we're going to stay with this story, but uh, and thanks for all the work you did on this and the difference you made. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. And there they go. Big thanks to Danielle and Taylor for joining us. And as always, if you like what John and I are doing, like, comment, and share wherever you get your podcast. Till next week. He is John Heiner, I am Eric Hulkerin, and this is Behind the Headlines.